microphone. Favorite story of your book? Uh, my favorite story is probably the first one. It's about Charm, which is like this... Uh, I don't even know how to explain what she is. She's like a extraterrestrial creature. Like She's like a human kind of a thing, right? And so she gets pregnant somehow. Doesn't really explain how. But she's like looking for what this thing she's creating, and an animal tells her it's these certain kind of roots, and you can only find it like around these old, old trees. And so she finds the, she looks forever, can't find anything, and then she finds the oldest tree in the area. She digs and she digs, and gets like a void of some sort. And the creatures tell her, "Don't get any closer. You don't want to go through." And well. Like, she falls through. She lands on Earth, but it's not Earth yet. It's just a water planet. So all it is is a bunch of animals in the water. And she just kind of, like, they're all really confused. Don't know why she's there. She eventually just gets on the turtle's back, because the turtle is the only thing that can hold her out of the water. And she's pregnant. So at some point, she'll give birth to two twins. A right-handed twin and a left-handed twin. The right-handed twins, the good twin. They make everything, like, perfect. So they're, they're the two people who create the Earth in this story. So the right-handed twin would build, like, like uh, flat land. And the left-handed twin comes in and makes mountains and hills and craters and all kinds of stuff. The right-handed twin makes perfectly straight trees so you don't get lost. Left-handed twin comes in and mixes them all up kind of how it goes. Right-handed twin makes women. Left-handed twin makes men. Which is different than... Like, I mean, it's all different than the Bible, but that was the one that, when I was reading it, really caught me off guard there. So, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. How many chapters are in the book? Five. Can you give me an overview for each chapter, please? Yeah. So, chapter one starts off with the story about uh, how the Earth is on a like flying turtle so the earth that's how the earth moves around in based off this story and uh that turtle is on top of another turtle it's on top of another turtle it's on top of another turtle and that just goes on forever there's no end all only one knows is it's turtles on turtles on turtles on turtles but so this chapter starts off like that and then it has two main, or three main aspects in it. It has the story about charm, which I already explained to you. And then it has a story about uh, Mr. Thomas King's mom and her, like, not her upbringing necessarily, but her job, her professional career. Uh, she's like, I don't know, it doesn't really explain it super well, but she works for, like, on airplanes like she's really smart like engineering I believe and uh, but this is a time when it's really sexist society and racist because she's Native American in America or in Canada actually but so she's doing the same job as all these men but she's getting paid for like nothing like let's say you and I are doing the same job and you're making like forty thousand dollars a year like, that's what you shouldn't be making. She's making, like, 10000 a year. So she's not... She's probably really upset, but she needs the money, 
and she enjoys the work, so she keeps doing it. And eventually Boeing, which is like a really big plane company, notices her and a bunch of other people. So I think it was eight people total. They brought six men and no, seven men and her over with the promise that they're all getting paid the same and the right amount. And so all the men get the proper title. Like, can't I don't have it in front of me, so I don't really remember. But it was like this certain type of uh, engineer, right? But his mom gets labeled as like a secretary of sorts. She's doing the same thing as all these engineers are. So yet again, the engineers are making 40000 and she's making 10000 which is ridiculous to say the very least, right? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty a annoying to Mr. Thomas King and his mother. Uh, and then it moves on to his dad. So his dad left him when he was little. He never really knew his dad. And so kind of talks about it like he said his goal was to someday go into a bar, start drinking, and his dad would walk in, and they would start talking. Okay. And uh, they, they would start talking. And his dad would talk about his like his past life, like earlier in his life. And he would talk about how he had kids. And he said he would, wished that he would talk about like how he missed his kids and how much he screwed up. And then he goes, and then I would look at him, and I would get up, and I'd walk out. And that would be the end. I wouldn't see him again. Kind of a goal. Pretty much just guilt tripping for being a jerk, which makes sense. Uh, but that never happens. And so his dad at some point says that he wants to reconnect with them. And when he's supposed to show up, he doesn't. And so that's kind of like, you know what, whatever. They're done with it, his dad at that point. And so they move along. And then eventually someone gets curious about it, and they hire this guy to look up his dad. Because they don't know if his dad died, just didn't show up, moved. They don't know what's going on with him. They find out he made it, like, almost to where they were. Like, he was in Chicago, or I guess he was just leaving Chicago, and he died in Chicago on his way there. Maybe. So that was the end of his, uh, his dad. So that's pretty much how the chapter one goes. Okay, so chapter two is pretty basic. Uh, he just basically runs over what he does in his life throughout a good portion of his life. Uh, he gets inspired by this guy, Edward Sher Curtis. Uh, he's a guy who was taking pictures of Native Americans, but he was like dressing them up so they looked more native and not how they would normally look, I guess. Uh, but that guy inspired him, so he decided he wanted to do that. Uh, he, he found out about Edward Sheriff Curtis because he got into postcards, and since he's Native American, he was really interested in Native American postcards. Uh, but uh, he wanted to basically do what he was doing, but less racist is kind of how it sounded. Like He didn't want to dress the people up. He wanted to do it the right way and so he started to do that and he would travel a lot uh, but at some point he talks about how where he grew up in Roseville California they were really racist towards Mexican people 
and he was one of the very few, if not only, Native American people in the area. Uh, he started dating this girl when he was about 18, and after a short amount of time, the girl told him that they couldn't keep seeing each other, and now he's obviously pretty confused. And so he doesn't really understand why until she says that her dad doesn't want her, want her dating a Mexican. And right there, that's blatant racism, which isn't okay. But they didn't know because he didn't dress like an Indian. A Native American, sorry. He refers to himself as Indian, but I don't think that I'm supposed to say that. Uh, he says that the reality was Mexican because he didn't dress Native American. And so that's kind of a bummer for him. Uh, shoot, where was I going with this? I got distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, shoot. Uh, oh, that's why. That right there is why he didn't want to keep dressing Native Americans up like uh, Edward Sheriff Curtis was. Uh, because he didn't, he thought that that was racist to do, which it probably is. But on his throughout his journey, he goes to a McDonald's in Oklahoma, has a Will Rogers museum in it, and Will Rogers was a some famous guy in America for a couple of years in the 30s. Uh, he was a Cherokee Native American, but he didn't look Native American. Uh, he didn't look Native American in the sense that he didn't dress up like Curtis would have wanted him to look. So he wore just normal clothes. Uh, Mr. King didn't end up finishing his photography project. He still takes photographs of Native Americans as they are normally. He doesn't dress them up because he doesn't think it's okay to make them look Indian. So... Yeah, that's kind of how Chapter 2 goes. Oh, Chapter 2 also starts with the same story about the turtles. Uh, about them stacking on top of each other and running the world. Or moving the world, I should say. Uh, chapter 3 is also pretty basic, as in like going with the flow. It starts with the turtle story. Turtles stacking and stacking and stacking, and that's how we get around the uh, atmosphere. But then it moves along to a person, well, it talks about the Puritans, and the Puritans uh, are, like, super, super strict. I don't know if they were Catholic or Christian. It's kind of the same thing, but it's almost not. But it's a, he tells a story about Ishi and the Puritans. Puritans wanted more land, which they couldn't really get for free because of the Native Americans being around. Uh, and so they were just pretty much running through the Native Americans, which was awful. Uh, and so they kind of had their life all set up in the 19th century. And so their life's all pretty set. They've already taken over the land. And uh, out of nowhere, a Native man comes into town, and he starts digging through stuff. And they've never seen or heard of him, and he doesn't speak English very well. Uh, but he is arrested, and he's not—he's 
or he's not treated well. He's sent to like a mental mental hospital. Uh, and then some other guys from somewhere else. I can't remember who it was that wanted him, but he got picked up by some guys from somewhere else. <laughs> Obviously, I guess. Uh, and they took him to a museum. In the museum, he was a janitor and an exhibit. People would come to see Ishi, is what they named him. Now, Ishi just means man in one of the native tongues. So his name was just man. Uh, after that, the chapter moves along to Dr. King discussing a review of a radio show host when he was on it in Canada. Uh, uh, that's pretty much just how it goes. It's just a little review. The reviewer says that King and the other hosts have varying degrees of authenticity, which I'm going to think means, like, nativeness. Ooh, I don't know if that's something. Uh, but... Uh, they call them some bad slurs as well in it. Yeah, that's chapter three. Uh, chapter four starts off the same way every chapter has with the turtle stacking story. Um, it then moves on to King discussing the differences between oral and written stories. Uh, he says that in order to be complete something has to be written down which basically is just him saying like if you want it to be official and very and known like perfectly you will write it down so that can be ensured the next thing he goes over is that written literature has an inherent sophistication that oral literature lacks and that i believe is just him speaking on emphasis so the way I tell a story to you, the way, based on how I'm speaking, is going to be different than how you might read it. Uh, he then just kind of goes over a couple other books that he read, and but it was mostly from white people writing them. So he doesn't necessarily like that because it's his people, their stories. So... I understand where he's coming from there. Uh, he tells three other stories about his life. Uh, the first one's about a storm he encountered while he was moving from Utah to Lethbridge, Alberta. The next one is about him playing a basketball game while he's in Lethbridge, and the other players are informed that Mr. King ended up with a plate in his head from that storm. And the third story is about a visit to an old man's house after the storm and the old man tells king that the storm destroyed his tomato crops but he's okay with that because it's always good to have some ketchup king says he likes to tell these stories because they make him feel better they make him feel alive again which is something that's nice because he's thinking about his past and the stuff he did and liked to do so chapter five begins the same way as every other chapter has with the story about the turtles and how the turtles are staffed and how the turtles move the earth. Uh, 
Mr. King then moves on to the story of the coyote and the ducks. Uh, the coyote disguises himself as a duck by using, or claims to be disguising himself as a duck, and uses the duck's feathers in order to look safe so he can protect them from the humans. But at some point, the ducks say no, they don't want to give the coyote his, their, their feathers anymore. And so the coyote, getting a little upset, says that the humans will come kill them and take them if they don't give it to them. And the ducks said, well, the humans like us just fine. Why would they do that? The coyote said, well, they like you well enough that they don't want to kill you, but they like your feathers better. So kind of meant that the ducks were goners. Uh, he used the story of the coyote and the duck as a metaphor for how the Native American legislations were passed in the U.S. and the Canadian governments. Uh, the ducks, or not the ducks, the Native Americans uh, were, I don't, I really don't know which would be which in this situation. You could kind of look at it either way. I want to say the, huh. I don't really know, but the humans want uh, the native things, so they want their culture, they want uh, culture, what's the shoot, culture and property, land, they want your culture and your land, and uh, the natives really don't want to give it up to them. And it's not that the humans don't like the natives, I don't think. Well, back then they probably did because they were racist. But that's not what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, they, the humans, it's not that they didn't like them. It's that they wanted what they had more. Uh, but he goes into how Canada and the United States took to laws about Native Americans. Uh the United States was pretty anti-Native American in most of their laws. They did not really care about them, hardly at all. But Canada's was better enough. It was better. It was. Hmm. It was better than that than than that of the U.S. But that doesn't necessarily make it any good. Uh, but. After he speaks about some more laws in more specific details, uh, he moves on to the final thing he talks about in the chapters, which is a job he took culling deer in New Zealand. He learned how to do the job well, but he quit after he shot his first deer because he says one kill was more than enough, and having done it once, I could not imagine doing it again. So... He, uh, I think that could also be a reference to how Native Americans were treated. They were treated very poorly, and now, as humans as we are today, I don't think that we would do that again, because we've learned that it's not okay. Yeah. Uh, my sister had to leave, so she cannot ask me any more questions, and so I... The one we were getting ready was she was just going to ask what I thought was interesting about it. 
So I don't have anything after that, but I'll kind of go into it now. Uh, I thought it was interesting how every chapter started with the same story. It got a little repetitive, but it was all different people that he told the story to. So, like, I just think it's interesting that he's told that story enough times to have gotten the same reaction from five different people in five different audiences. Audiences. Uh, yeah, I just I thought that was interesting. I liked how he went from one from a native story to his own story and back and forth throughout it. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I really just thought it was a pretty good book, decently entertaining. Uh, I've I've got no complaints. It was a good book. I would suggest it to a friend if they didn't know what they wanted to read. Yeah.